Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Welcome to OK Sis. We are two cultural observers and curious minds who happen to be related. I'm Scout. And I'm Maddie. Get ready for some serious sororal energy. As we chat about and comment on one another's current fixation of the week. Ready, Ready, sisters? Welcome back to the pod, sisters. This is Maddie. I am Scout, and we are the sisters behind OKSIS Podcast. And again, some super exciting news. I am looking at Maddie, and I am seeing her pores. I am seeing her hair follicles. I am seeing her spit. The sunburn. The sunburn. All perfections of her are quite clear because she is in San Diego for the next few weeks, baby. Yeah. I I had enough uh, of my apartment in L.A., although it is lovely, and I was quarantining with my roommates, and it was a grand time. I just, you know, I needed I needed the big outdoors. I needed some more space to roam and, uh, you know, be with the fam. So I'm happy to be back. It's a nice little change of pace and scenery. Yeah. So you're staying with dad. We had a whole pool day today. We went in the pool, drank some champagne. Yeah. And we are officially TikTok famous because I have purchased a ring light and phone mount. So they're there the days are numbered where I would stack books and lean my phone against a wobbly knickknack in order for it to get to the perfect height you know what guys like if you're struggling with your TikTok heights and where to put your phone get a phone mount just I know it's kind of like that next step and it's like oh am I gonna be that girl whatever the content will soar as a result I mean, we will see if it soars as a result. We are we are not 100% sure that this is the cause and effect of TikTok fame. <laughs> I mean, it can't do anything but help, is what I'm trying to say. I mean, we'll see what the algorithm thinks of your, your phone mount. Um, as you guys know, we are still struggling on the TikTok. Um, it's okay because, you know, we have our community elsewhere that's just not on TikTok. Well, uh, just guys, show up. Show up for us. Like, yeah. uh, we're putting in so many man hours, so much um, sweat equity into this uh, project, but we'll get there. I, yeah. I, I, I um, I'm, I'm, co- I'm determined. We to didn't get do there. one in our bikini today. Yeah, it's not, it's not the vibe today. Oh, that's not oh. the vibe. Got it. I um, did one in my bikini cover up, though. Oh, well, that's probably count. the most skin I'll probably show. Well, yeah. I was in full bikini and was ready. Boobs bouncing, the whole thing. 
Yeah. That. Why didn't you say anything? I don't know. I forgot about it. Oh, okay. Um. <laughs> so update with me in quarantine. I am a whole new woman because one, I did my eyebrows. I have never. Do- so my eyebrows are a very sensitive subject for me because they are very thick and very like they literally go up to my hairline and down to my eyelashes. They're like bushy, unruly, mm-hmm. out of control, grow super mont- fast, like caterpillars yeah. on your mm-hmm. on your upper forehead yeah and they grow really fast I have to get a wax like I should get a wax every two weeks but since that's crazy I get a wax every three weeks and I have not done my eyebrows or touched them all of quarantine and it's been a little nuts and then Mad saw me yesterday and made a, a, a vocal point about them and so I decided to do something about it and so I went to Tweezed Town and I plucked my eyebrows Silly. I plucked so much fucking hair. You went to Tweez Town. That's right, baby. Population one. <laughs> what the fuck? Tweez Town? Oh, I bet. Let me tell you, it's painful in Tweez Town. Oh, yeah. You of walk course. out of the, of the Tweez Town and you feel good about yourself. I even put some brow gel on. Yeah, you look I great. put some highlighter underneath, not today because we were in the oh, pool, but shit. last night I just did it because our cousin was having a party on the roof. So I said hi and I was like, I'm going to put some highlighter underneath my eyebrows. Um, so one, I'm feeling like a new woman, not really sure if I'm ever going to go back to having someone do my eyebrows. I just DM'd a girl who's super into the esthetician world and she's going to figure out an at-home waxing thing so I can just wax the top and the bottom and then tweeze the shape. And then on top of that, I'm doing my own nail and pedicures and really thriving in this situation I'm doing my own hair I mean so but the thing is like although you now have the ability to do all these things will you be carrying this out after quarantine or do you think you're going to just like fully transition back into all of the the beautifying services that we get I think a hundred percent I'm going to do my nails and my feet from now on because I actually hate going to the nail salon I don't like it like I put it off I put it off and I'm like fuck I gotta go like yes I feel really great after but I really don't like going to the nail salon I don't find it enjoyable so I definitely think I'm going to start painting my nails just myself Um, I think that we'll see how long I take the eyebrow situation because it is a little bit less anxiety inducing to know that a professional is taking care of them, although my brows go back so quickly. So even if I do fuck it up, like they'll be fine in three weeks. And then my hair, I'm definitely going to go back to dry bar and get it blown out. But I think I'm going to wear like my hair straight one week, curly the next week, and I'm going to split it 50-50 and I'm not going to be like so intense about always having it straight now that I know that I like it curly. So I think it's... I think it'll be somewhere in the middle. Right. No, I'm I'm giving I'm going to invest in European Wax Center. I am fully just all of the services. I am going to the now to get a massage. I'm going to go to European Wax Center. I'm going to go to the nail salon. I'm going to go to drive every single I take all my money. I'm going to the facialist. I'm going to Heyday. I'm going everywhere. I do. I am going to, once this is available to do, I'm going to get an hour massage and then I'm going to take an hour off and then I'm going to get a two hour cupping and acupuncture session and Reiki at Saffron and Sage and it's going to be like a four hour day. And in between those two, I'm just going to like read my book in the waiting room. Oh my God. Um, so coming from a place of privilege, yes, this is the things that we are going to do. Yes, 100%. I mean, Yikes. we're just speaking our truth. No, this is the truth. I think a lot of girls out there uh, can can uh, resonate with this. It's just been, it's been hard out here to be a girl in quarantine. Yeah, but I'm really finding that I can do a lot of these things myself. Yeah. I didn't think that I could, and because I really can. can. Girls can do anything. 
Like yes. we keep forgetting. Yes. We can do anything we want. We have just been conditioned to pay for these services when in actuality we're pretty capable. Dude, my feet look like I got them done at a professional place. I'm just going to say. Just don't look at my feet. Okay, let's move on from this topic. I want to discuss the new Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande song called Rain On Me. It is a fantastic summer vibe, summer tune. Um, I'm really bummed that this summer is not going to be like any other summer. Why is this summer different from all of the rest? Dianu. Dianu. Um, And it's just, it's kind of... It's sinking in that we won't have the summer that we're typically used to. Like I always use I always look forward to the summer jams and like the summer music and like what's the song of the summer and kind of like seeing all the big pop stars um, compete for that uh, title. So this year, like, yes, there's going to be summer bops, but we have nowhere to go to listen to them. So. It's just, it's great because I I really needed new music. If It was so funny. The other day, for the first time, I looked on Spotify Top Hits and went to the radio when I was driving. Every single song is TikTok. Every single song without fail is from TikTok. I couldn't believe it. People will probably drive in their cars are like, what the fuck is these, are these songs? It's all TikTok. That's how new music works, Mads. You put new songs onto the radio that people don't know about, and then they're like, oh, new song. They're not saying, what the fuck is this song? I understand, but just, it, it is, it, there's never, it's never been that way where a platform dictates the top songs. Yeah, you're right. This you're right. is like, re- like the influence of TikTok is taking over the world. I'm just yeah. saying it. Anyways, so Rain On Me, great song. Just such a feel good, you can't help but dance and just, fucking jump and go wild and it just makes me miss concerts and music festivals but that is okay yeah i'm not a i'm a concert goer but in very specific venues and very specific situations Mm -hmm. um as i've entered my late 20s concerts and music music festivals are a thing of the past for me you know i don't i don't think i need to frequent them so much anymore i don't like waiting for an uber to get home and walking miles to get an uber it's just not what i peeing in a porta potty I, you know, I don't really mind that. Like, it sucks, but, like, that's not, like, it's a three-second ordeal. Sure. Walking two miles to get an Uber and then not getting home till Inhumane. 2 a.m. Inhumane. Ridiculous. Yeah. We're not. It's yeah. it's enough. We're done. Yeah. We're done. Yeah. Anyways, I completely understand where you're coming from. I think that this summer is going to be a little bit different, but at the same token, we are very grateful that we can have our dad's house to come and just you and I hang out with and have a summer. Maybe maybe this is the summer of Mads and Scout. Mm, maybe. We shall see. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. Okay, sisters, we talked a lot about the fact that we're in quarantine, and we know that some of you are having extreme anxiety. We are having anxiety, depression, mood swings, all the things. And we talk very openly on this podcast about mental health and our experiences with therapy since I'm bipolar and have been in therapy since I was 14. And Mads just recently got into therapy a few years ago. And we basically promote everyone getting into therapy but we also know because a lot of you have dm'd me that therapy sometimes isn't so accessible and it's hard to get into a therapist's office so we decided to partner up with better help um better help will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist that you can start communicating with in under 24 hours this is not a crisis line not self-help it is professional counseling done securely online and it is available for clients worldwide you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your 
your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. Um, this is perfect since everything is going virtual, so BetterHelp is already like ahead of the game in that sense. It's more affordable than traditional online counseling, and financial aid is available, and I really wanted to, you know, highlight that because I know that a lot of times healthcare and insurance are a big thing. So BetterHelp is 100% there for you. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit betterhelp.com slash OKSIS. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And for you sisters, you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash OKSIS. That's better H-E-L-P. Link in the show notes. Get that brain straight, girl. All right, let's quickly do a little recap, a little observational thoughts on the call her daddy situation. So Scout and I both watched Alex's, I want to say 45-minute video on YouTube. 30. Um, She, you know quieted down all the fake news she put every single fact out there and explained everything you know from her side of the story we still haven't heard from Sophia I really don't even think she's gonna release something in response to that I think it was pretty clear um what what has happened and I think my if for those of you who don't know Call Her Daddy has been this very very successful podcast in um the past like two years they have skyrocketed to one of the top podcasts like right under Joe Rogan it's really amazing what these two women have been able to do especially with such a taboo topic it's it's really inspiring and uh, basically what happened was as they were going through their contract with Barstool they were hearing not rumors but they were hearing other people in the industry and Sophia's now boyfriend was like you guys have x amount of listeners like this is a huge podcast you guys should be making way more than I think they were only making 75k a a year which is unheard of for a podcast of of that caliber and of that of that many listeners um especially with ad dollars if you kind of like break it down I think they can make a hundred thousand dollars per episode in ad dollars and ad revenue and obviously that goes with to barstool and has to be distributed amongst barstool's employees as well but that's 100k every week that's five mil a year what I was, in ad sales and they were getting seventy five thousand dollars what i'm confused of is that alex says that she edited the entire thing what did barstool do i know i mean but scott we've been like we've been seeing this a little bit like podcast networks sometimes don't what they offer you is obviously the ad um streamlining streamlining the ad process and inserting ads into your into your podcast and then they also have the brand recognition so barstool is a huge entity to be part of and obviously that's what helped them skyrocket they went above and beyond what they were you know envisioning for this podcast but um i think it's more so just having the name barstool associated with your podcast so she yeah alex was the one that edited everything she also made it very clear which i thought was fascinating was that you know she's been a blog She's been a YouTube, uh, a YouTuber for a long time. So she actually edited all the episodes to feel like a vlog. So a lot of it feels like a, uh, it, it feels like a continuous podcast, but there's these, you know, 
uh, not cinematic elements, but you know, editing wise, she knows like how to edit it in a in a nice capturing way. So, and that is what would take her like she said seven to twenty hours a week additional that she would be doing for for editing. And Sophia wouldn't like when she would post about the editing process or even like snippet her editing late at night. She'd be like, "You should you please don't do that because then it looks like I'm not doing as much work with which." <laughs> Okay, you weren't. Um, also, Alex was the one that was bringing in a following from before. She was, a, again, a YouTuber, a blogger, and I think an influencer. Um, and Sophia was her roommate, I believe. So all of this to say, I think my biggest takeaway was that the the fallout happened so fast. It happened in the span of like two to three weeks, which is which is so crazy to have this partnership and this, be- not even partnership, a best friendship just disintegrate because of greed and because someone, you know, of course they, sh- they should have advocated for themselves and they did. And Sophia pushed them to advocate and get what they deserved and earned. But then there's, there's a line. Like if you push it too far, you are really, nothing is ever going to be enough. And when does it become about money and about uh, versus the actual content and the, their community? Well, she wasn't thinking long-term in the sense that if she came to an, if they came to an agreement that they could agree upon with Barstool, they could have continued building the call her daddy brand and made more and more money over the next 10 years and built into something huge. And instead they let a short-term possibility ruin the fact that they could could have built something like this. I well, Sophia let it. Yeah, like she could well, have we taken haven't the deal without. Yeah, we haven't heard her side. So you know, I'm wearing to be like a hundred percent what Alex said. But I can relate to this a lot. I have lost two friendships to business. I lost my best friend to business um, in the early days, and it was me who pushed her out a hundred percent. Like I'll say it because I felt as if certain things weren't right, and when when you entangle business and hard work and your brand and your career and your future with friendship and you're not seeing eye to eye in a business situation and the the future of your business depends on that, you enter into a space that you didn't know you could enter and you become quite territorial over what you've built and created. It's like giving birth to something like you're quite, you know, you, you, you're very territorial over it. And so I can understand how that happened in three weeks. I had a falling out with my best friend and it happened in like, there were building things were building now that I look back over the, you know, the months, but we really stopped being friends within a week. Like it was a week, it was a week of a blowout, and that happened. And so when you mix business with friends, I uh, completely, that's why I don't really enter partnerships anymore except with you, which I was okay with with okay, Sis, because you're my sister and that gives us an extra pressure to work something out if something wasn't going right for us. But entering a business with just a best friend, not knowing how big you can get and once yeah. you make it big time, Sophia might, I don't know if she, if she wasn't a YouTuber, she might have never had this you know, yeah. eyes on their her. Morals, their morals, their intentions were different. They were different. And yeah, like what you said, and I think this is actually a really good lesson. A lot of people come to us and say, I want to start a podcast. I want to do something with my best friend. Or a lot of best friends will say like, oh my God, we should just have a podcast. We're so funny together and we should just record this and people would be entertained, which is probably the case. Yes, of course. You probably have a great banter and a great voice with one of your best friends. But going into it, it is so important to be on the same page in in the 
in the event that something does happen like this where and I think in the beginning they just didn't imagine that it could get to this level and she was like Sophia you're my best friend you're my roommate like we're so fucking funny and we have all these sex positive conversations like we need to have a podcast together it would be a great talent matchup and then you don't talk about the unsexy stuff and you don't talk about the 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 intentions behind both people and it got to a point where Sophia was like this is I could be I deserve more and I could yeah. get more and it's just so it's so frustrating because when Alex was telling the story about how they went to the rooftop and that he was literally handing them everything they wanted and more on a silver platter. Yeah, the IP. And the IP. He was the handing IP, her the IP. Half a mil for the year. All they have to do is just sit there for a year, even though Alex never wanted to leave Barstool. So it was just interesting. But she just wanted, again, I guess just like a little more money um, to match what they what they were creating. But literally he was giving everything on a silver platter and they could leave in a year like why wouldn't Sophia just do that and just be like did she hate the barstool culture and environment so much that she couldn't even just be there for one year I mean I don't know a lot about her maybe this was her first venture maybe this was her first business maybe this was her first thing and when you're in that situation and lawyers are telling you things um it can get pretty sticky obviously she has the wrong lawyers because the term sheets that they were creating were so outrageous they should have known that that was putting their client in jeopardy for her long term I've been in another business venture where I had to have a lawyer get me out of a company and so I sat in a lawyer's and I took his advice and like dad was there with me because he was my advocate to make sure nobody steered me wrong based upon the decisions I made so a lot of this brought back things that I've you know I've never had a, a community or the fame like call her daddy but I have had a friendship breakup due to business differences and I have had to get lawyer consulting and, and advice and it is scary because it's very emotional and there's friendships involved and there's build, there's businesses involved and it gets really convoluted and it's really hard to see. I think that it made me think a lot about you and me. Like the one thing that I love about OK Sis is that you and I are so committed. Like no matter what, we would never like, even when we have a bad day and we have a deadline, like you and I show up no matter what. And we might have differences in opinions over a brand color or something. But at the end of the day, I can totally see us moving forward in the right way. Like if we got super like bombarded with as big of a famous call her daddy I can see as being a unit together but you don't you don't know what that's like if you're not super close to someone and you don't really know them and their business ideals yeah yeah no I agree so um it looks like at the end of the YouTube video Alex said that she'll see everyone on Wednesday so she she should keep going dude no, she is she oh, went, thank God. she took the deal good by herself good so We'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see what happens. I'm like really excited to stay tuned. It's going to be probably the most downloaded episode in Ever. all of episode history, yeah. in all of podcast history. Yeah. Everyone is like so eager to see what's going on and if there's a new host or whatever. So, I do wish Alex the best. I, I, I And I, I can't speak for Sophia because I haven't heard from her. So I don't want to like jump to conclusions and right. say she's the bad person in this situation. But just from seeing the video that Alex, I, I do wish Alex the best. Mm-hmm. That's all we can do. Wish them the best. Um, and let's see. housekeeping. Oh, yeah. Housekeeping. Okay, sisters. If you like us, bum, 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 you can join our secret Facebook group at OK Sisters. Popping off. Girls are posting left and right. You can get our newsletter, which comes out every Monday with the episode. And you can sign up at OKSISpodcast.com. Um, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at OKSISpodcast. And all of these links information is in the show notes and in our Instagram bio. And if you like us, text us to a friend. Like, 
share the sisterhood. We really appreciate it. We work super hard at bringing you guys content every week and sometimes twice a week. And we would love it if you would share it with a woman or girl or lady who you think could benefit from the sisterhood. Yes. Okay. This week. Oh, wow. Today, we are bringing you an incredibly in-depth episode about sexual wellness Female sexuality and erotica, erotica empowerment. Oh, we talked to the co-founder of Dipsy, which is a sexual wellness app. Um, the co-founder's name is Gina, and she was so delightful. She's the creative side and head of uh, the Dipsy app and content. Um, for those who don't know, uh, Dipsy is an app with all of these erotica stories that you can essentially listen to either to masturbate to or as you kind of are ramping up and trying to get into a specific mood, a sexy mood before seeing someone. That's how I've used it before, like driving over to my boyfriend's, I'll pop on a dipsy or obviously if you're looking for just a quick 10 minute, the stories are 10 minutes mostly and they're very realistic and very relatable. That's that's the whole premise of their of their app is it's this female focused and relatable content that oh guys I mean if you don't have Dipsy yet just get on this fucking train so this is quite timely so yeah we've been talking about sexuality in the queue in the queue in the quarantine in the quarantine yeah we get it okay so enjoy this episode sisters bye one of the most surprising side effects of postpartum for me was that my hair started shedding right around the crown of my head Now I have these random baby hairs sticking out near my forehead that I just can't figure out what to do with. Yeah, I keep asking you to tame those down, but they seem to be very stubborn. Yes, I know, Mads. After a few months of me not seeing improved hair growth, I knew I needed to give my hair some extra strength and support. Enter Nutrafol. I just got the Nutrafol's postpartum supplement, and I'm so excited because I'm committed to supporting my hair health now that I'm postpartum. The next six months is going to be me and Nutrafol. I might not be a mother like Scoutala is, but as you sisters know, we are always on a hair journey here on OK Sister Podcast. I am always looking for a way to up my hair health game. I love Nutrafol because they have a whole body approach, multi-targets, underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly thicker and stronger hair. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplements for six months. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code OKSIS. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com promo code OKSIS. That's Nutrafol.com promo code OKSIS. 
Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie, like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans, and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once. The white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. So you can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Dipsy was founded by Gina Gutierrez and Faye Keegan, who decided to create a platform offering short format sex stories after becoming frustrated at the dominance of male-focused content and the poor quality of written and video options. Dipsy stories are delivered as short format audio native to the Dipsy app and are categorized to suit where and why women are listening, whether it's solo in bed, enhancing intimacy with a partner, getting ready for a date, or turning off boss brain on the way home from work. Without further ado, Gina. Hi. Hey. Good. How are you? It's like to be here. I am I am like giddy. I am so excited to talk to you. This is, I'm, I don't think I've been like this excited to talk to a guest in a really long time. Okay. So remind me, Maddie. So you must be the OG listener. You're the one who's been listening for a while. I'm an OG Dipsy listener. I, I got Scout on the bandwagon because I was like, girl. Amazing. Get, get on this. <laughs> and I did. And I got on it. But you got on it. You got on it. Not in your bedroom you got on it somewhere else right wasn't the story that you listened on a commute or something or no you listened to a partner no I listened by myself on my couch okay good 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 no that's like I have listened yes okay because we mentioned with Yola she's mentioned okay so I mentioned that I did listen to one with my partner um it didn't really it's so much harder I know we can talk about that yeah, and we'll we'll get into that, which um I can see it being a good way to kind of spice some things up, but I don't know, it's more of a solo experience for me. And that's my my 
take, but we'll get everything dipsy because it's just going to be such a great conversation. But first, current fixations. Scout? Yes. Okay, so my current fixation, which Gina and Mads can see because we're on Zoom, are these two gold chain necklaces that I have. They're by Aaron Fader Jewelry, and I've been really trying to find a really good quality, beautiful vintage gold chain, and she makes the best ones. I met Erin. She's actually local to San Diego, which is super rad, but I met her at one of our past guests, Whitney Eckes. She had her 50th podcast live episode for Under the Influence and Aaron Fader was the guest. And so I that's where I met Aaron. And it was so funny because they took a video of the event and Aaron was in this completely head to toe white bohemian outfit with this gorgeous white hat, like fringe. I don't know. She looks like a fucking angel. And there's, they literally in this video, you see her walking past me and me just like checking the shit out of her, like turning my head and staring at her ass. And they put that in the promo video. It's like very apparent because I'm in a blue dress and I'm like, who is that? Um, But I fell in love with her there. And then um, her gold chains are where it is at. I've been looking for them forever. And I've just been putting them on every day. It's also just a nice little thing to do in quarantine to have some necklaces on. So you feel a little bit more put together. Um, and she's got a bunch of other great stuff. She's a great designer. And the price point is like, is so good for actual quality jewelry and good design. So shout out to Erin Fader. Yeah. She just sent us some, some necklaces. I'm super excited. I, I'm into the whole layering gold chains. So that's for me for sure. Okay. My current fixation. I just discovered this brand. It's called Clever Blends. It's C-L-E-V-R. I was targeted on my Instagram because Instagram knows me far too well. I also think I found Dipsy from Instagram targeted ads. So there's that. Um, But they're a line of instant lattes. So essentially I bought the matcha powder and there's oat milk in the powder. So you just add hot water and then I have a little instant whisk thing. Whip, uh, whisk. Yeah. Whisk. I never remember the name of this thing. Oh, electric frother. That's what I have. (laughs) It's from, it's because I've been making the TikTok coffee that everyone has been posting everywhere. So I have one of those and I've been missing my lattes. Obviously we're in quarantine. I don't have an espresso machine. So this has been a great kind of replacement for that. Super easy. And then also it's like packed with probiotics and adaptogens. You know, we love ashwagandha over here. Um, There's no added sugar. So everyone get it. And the branding is like on point, which, you know, is an ancillary benefit. Yeah. I was going to say the branding has to be on point if you let it enter your house. So (laughs) exactly. Okay. Gina, what's your current fixation? Oh, I'm inspired. I actually am wearing gold chains too, which you also can't see, but I love my Misoma gold chains. Have you heard of that brand out of the UK? No. I feel like almost every one of my girlfriends is wearing the same like set of three necklaces, but they're amazing. They're these Roman gold coins. And I get asked all the time what they are when I'm in the real world, when people aren't wearing masks. So in the past, people used to ask me all the time (laughs) what I was wearing. I super recommend the jewelry. It's amazing. I love it. Awesome. Is that your current fixation? Do we have like the same current fixation? I'm like, well, let me think what else I'm obsessed with. No, no, that's fine. It's just so funny because we've never had guests that have like similar current fixations until like this month. For some reason, all of our guests have the same current fixation. Maybe because we're all living like more similar lives. I don't know. Totally. I I also feel like I'm missing my cappuccino in the morning the most. That's the thing that I literally miss most about not leaving my house, which is just simple. 
and that's it. And well, so- you could move to my house where my husband found a free espresso machine on Craigslist and has since um, fixed it up and is making lattes and cappuccinos left and right over oh, here. Fancy. That's amazing. At-home barista. What else could you ask for? Oh, yeah. Except for my spiritual coach says I have I can't drink more than two cups of coffee. And so it's kind of like ruining that whole vibe. But anyways, you can come and have one. <laughs> that's good. I can take the second. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So let's get in. Let's get into all things Dipsy. I think I first want to start more asking you about what your sex education was like growing up and exposure. Before we get into it, I want to tell the listeners what exactly it is, because it is like a new situation where they might not understand, especially since this is, you know, they're not experiencing the product. Can you, in your own words, describe what happens when a woman goes to Dipsy and what the experience they have is? Yeah, absolutely. So we call ourselves the first audio platform for sexual wellness, and we basically create short format audio content. So like think about 10, 15 minutes of content. You come on, it's a beautiful app. It's designed to make you feel like it's representative of who you are and like you like it in your identity and it's not something you have to hide in the back of your iPhone. And the stories are a super range of everything. We realize that sexuality is really, really broad. People's preferences are really specific. And so we want something for everyone. And so there are stories that are more romantic. There are stories that are more um, explicit. There are stories that are for queer people. There are stories that include non-binary characters. And there are also plenty of straight content. So like all sorts of uh, run the gamut. And you're going to hear characters interacting. It's not like an audiobook where someone's reading right into your ear. It's people interacting. It's really, really well acted. It's actually actually all recorded separately and then stitched together by really talented producers. And you're feeling like you're in this really sensory, amazing three-dimensional environment. And the goal is to just feel really turned on. And I think that it's exciting for us to start figuring out more and more with more listeners what that is and create a lot more of it. So right now we have 250 pieces of content. You'll find something that you like, I promise. Mads, can I ask you, do you masturbate when you listen to Dipsy or is it more to get you in the mood? Like what do you use it for? Both. So I've found, and I liked what we said in your intro, where like on your way home, if you want to turn off or just like get in the mood or kind of as a, as a warm up, even like I'll listen to it when I'm driving over to my boyfriend's house, just to kind of switch into that mode. Um, but then the majority of the times it's, it's for masturbation purposes. And we do that for most people. Yeah, it is true. It's because it feels like a podcast. It's so funny. My I was telling my roommate about Dipsy, and she was like, "Of course you would listen <laughs> to Erotica on," because I'm just like such a podcast person that it's just like the audio format. It just feels so soothing to me and homey. Like you're in the car, you can put it on. But um, no, I I love what you said there, but. I do want to kind of backtrack now that we know what Dipsy is and everyone, I mean, if this is not more of an endorsement. I want to talk about how I use it. So it's interesting for me because when I was using it, I felt turned on, but maybe this is because I'm so used to porn that it was hard for me to actually masturbate to it. However, in that sense, since it's a different experience, since it's audio only, I have been working on my sensuality and my feminine energy lately, and I so perfectly see this as I go to the bathroom in a moment alone before I want to be intimate with my husband and like put me in that mood to feel that way because it is very female geared. So it's interesting that like some people can masturbate to it and then like for others, it's more just like feeling yourself, like getting into the mood. So I thought that was interesting. 
you guys are both describing something that we hear a lot, like one, the idea of feeling yourself, like what does it mean to really be feeling yourself? And especially for straight couples, you hear a lot that it can feel disappointing when one of you revs faster than the other person. That means that one person's initiating, the other person says no, which is kind of like not a great dynamic. And so this is kind of like something that helps with your pilot light, if it's what I heard one user say, which I loved. Um, and then the other is like turning off boss brain is huge. We're stressed out all the time. We're living these hyper move, productive, measured, crazy lives. And it's really helpful to be able to recenter and something more sensual because we are more than one thing. Like all of us are more than one thing. Okay. Now I want to go back to the beginning. So, sorry, uh, Jesus, <laughs> I just, cause I, I really want to know the impetus cause this is, this is such a new territory. So I really want to understand you and, and also Faye's uh, backgrounds and kind of why you felt that this was so needed and how perfectly you guys, uh, you know, found a white space and was able to tackle it like you did. So talk to me about growing up. Um, what was your sex education like and exposure? Did you talk about it in your family? Talk about that. Yeah. So my mom is Swiss. And I think coming from a European background, people are more open and casual about sex. I definitely heard about sex um, you know, when I was maybe four or five, the idea of like a man and a, and a woman loving each other and making babies was something that was familiar territory to me way before it definitely was for a lot of American kids. So I think that kind of set me up to be someone that's comfortable with it. Does that mean that I'm some sort of sexual savant? No, definitely not. And I think that that actually is a good thing for Dipsy because if I was that, I wouldn't be able to kind of like meet the needs of, you know, all these people and not everyone is that way, not even close. And I think there's a lot of fear that everyone's more sexual than you or everyone's living a more interesting sex life than you. Um, but what I've always been really tuned into is psychology. I've always been fascinated by what makes people tick and why people are the way that they are and why they behave the, the ways that they do. Why has always been my favorite of the questions. And it was really fascinating to me in college when I was talking to my girlfriends about their sex lives that the questions that people were asking when they were having any sort of challenge or what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my body? Why can't I orgasm? Why can't he touch me better? Why can't they touch me better? What do I like? It was very physical. People were really focused on the physical experience. And it feel, felt really obvious to me that people were missing a bigger part of the narrative, which is what's happening in your brain. What are you thinking about? What are you stressed about? What, fa what fantasies have you thought about when you're by yourself? What really turns you on? What really turns you off? And asking yourself those questions opens up a whole different level of sensuality and, and possibility. And so that to me was kind of the beginning of Dipsy. It's just really thinking about sex from a psychological perspective. Yeah. Like when I discovered Dipsy, I was so annoyed that I didn't have this <laughs> growing up because to mm -hmm. me, um, and as we mentioned, like this, this industry is notoriously male dominated and the content is all developed for a masculine audience in mind. And it's, it's kind of like rooted in fantasy. So by the time you get to sex, it, it's very confusing because all of these expectations are off. And then when you're confronted with like the reality of sex, it's, you know, it's awkward. It's this, it's, there's, it's not like you see in these types of videos when you're growing up. So yeah. With Dipsy, there is this relatability and this like celebration and just it, it, and I get, I love how you said like the app needs to be integrated into your life. It's not something you should be ashamed of. Like I feel as if in other video content, there is that kind of shame, like, oh my God, I don't want to. I don't want to like say that I did this, but with Dipsy, I'm like, I want to post it on Instagram. Like I just, it's so <laughs> great. And I really think that needs to be celebrated. So talk 
after, and it, it's funny after Scout experienced it for the first time, she texted me. She's like, it feels real. Like it feels like a reality. So not even a reality. It felt like almost, I don't want to say a fantasy world for the re- regular person, for like a real person. Like the one I was listening to today, I listened to one today. The guy was so in tune to the woman's needs. He like the whole thing was him just making her come over and over again. And the story never even got to him. And that's such a like as a woman, I think in the modern age, we want something like that to happen, but it never does. And so like I, it, it was almost like what we want the world of sex to look like for real people, if that makes sense. I think you are totally hitting the nail on the head and you sound like you're in the writers in the dipsy. <gasps> what I would love to be a <laughs> <laughs> So relatability is so important, right? There are all these moments where you hear something and you're like, that's not me. Like, I don't, I don't like it. I don't buy it. So believability and relatability are things we think about a lot. But then you're also balancing that with something that's aspirational. You know, we don't really want the truth of, a, of an actual drawn out sex scene. Like if we were to really do a minute by minute sex scene in a story, it would be boring. So like there are certain things you have to do to like accelerate pace or ramp up tension and um, really make communication super overt that are definitely aspirational. But can they happen? Yeah. And like in best moments, do they happen? Yeah. And that feels really cool for people, I think. Like is it likely that you're going to meet someone on the subway platform that ends up taking you home and gives you the best sex of your life? Like maybe not, but could it happen? Yeah, it could. And that's the kind of space we want to play in. So you mentioned the writer's room. So I, I am so interested in the logistics behind this because it's obviously produced, it's curated. Um, there's, you know, a writer's room. That's, that's incredible to me. So, um, how did you guys put that together and where did you find the talent and um did you vet their orgasming skills like i don't know like how does it sound so oh, you are they actually orgasming but... or is it fake no everyone's acting yeah yeah so i think it's really it's actually really interesting you asked that right because the edge of that is almost unknowable because do I know that there are voice actors that work for us that think of Dipsy as sexual self-expression? Absolutely. And that's a huge reason why people want to voice act for us. So is it pleasurable in some ways in that, to that degree? I would imagine so, but it is acting. And so we're absolutely looking for people who can really embody characters and really like hit that believability we just talked about. Plus, they're acting in a booth by themselves. Like, think about how hard that is. Like, we are integrating people together when they're not actually vibing with each other's chemistry. It really requires really excellent production skills and really excellent voice actors. And we've just been really diligent about finding people. It's hard. It's taken us a long time to find a lot of people. And we're also helping train up people who could never have imagined doing this work before, but are excited to try. What does the organization of the company look like? Like, do you have an office? Do you have a studio that you rent? How many people work for you? How has it kind of evolved from this idea into a fully functioning business, essentially? Yeah. So my background was in brand and design strategy. So I was very much like, how do you create experiences that are amazing for users? Thinking about verbal identity, thinking about writing. So I more naturally gravitated to, to the more creative side of the business. What is the brand? What is the design? And what is the content? And my co-founder, Faye, comes from a business, a business background. She was in finance for a while. She worked at the hedge fund and then she was a software engineer. So she's much more like the opposite side of my brain. And so we're kind of ideal partners in that way. We totally yin and yang each other. I don't know if that's 
true of you too, but it's seeming like maybe. <laughs> um, so I think we're really lucky in that way. And see, she runs the product org. So the engineers that we work with um, on our team work with Faye and the content team works with me. Um, you know, like mom and dad respectively, we switch roles in either way. <laughs> and um, our team is 17 people now, which is kind of amazing. Um, wow, mazel tov. That is also not counting all the people that we work with to help make the magic come to life. So we work with a ton of story collaborators that help give us their authentic stories. If we're writing a story about um, someone having an experience with sex from a disabled perspective, we want to work with someone who has a disability. So we work with a big range of people that help us tell those stories. And then we work with a ton of voice actors. Too. It's so interesting because off the bat, my first impression of you, and I hope this isn't offensive, is not that you were the creative, was that you were actually the logistical analytical one because no, but like the way you present information is so evidence-based and so articulate in that sense that it sounds much more business-oriented the way someone would talk than maybe more of the creative side would. But I love it when stuff like that happens because it switches your brain into what you think someone's supposed to sound like on a certain role in a company. And you know what I'm saying? Like, it just kind of like puts you in a different perspective. Yeah. And I think by no means am I the person that's like the fountain of creativity at Dipsy. We work with incredible people. My team is amazing and everyone is very creative, but I think we are constantly balancing our intuition, our gut, what it means to be women, what it means to, you know, all these things, not to say that our entire team identifies as women, but a large number of us do. And also with the, the evidence, right? Like how our stories are performing, who is actually the people listening to our stuff and so that's a constant dance that we're always playing we call it the pendulum swinging we'll be like oh we learned this thing let's do that uh let's do this other thing and that constantly happens um so i think being able to be both is kind of important and faye is both too faye's an amazing Mm. writer Mm. Ah, mm. the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. So I don't really know how to ask this, but I'm just going to ask it. Does it ever get awkward at work or are you really good at establishing boundaries or do you find that the people that you hire are really down for this type of cause and they're really passionate about it? So it, it really, it, there is a professionalism yeah, that I really appreciate is there. you asking this question. I think it's really important to talk about because there aren't that many companies like ours. So, you know, how does it get handled is a, is a question that's important to talk about. Um, we definitely come to the table with some pretty strict um, kind of like professional standards of how we speak. And so a great example of that is you can offer up anecdotes and experiences if you feel comfortable, because that helps us to create amazing content. But you can never ask another team member for a specific example or for what their experience is. So you basically just can't elicit someone to, you know, give in or contribute to the conversation if they don't want to. Um, You also have the ability to tap out of a conversation. I've actually never seen this happen at Dipsy, maybe once, um, where you can say, let's put put this on ice. And if a conversation gets too passionate or too kind of like, this is my experience, this is what it was like for me, you can just leave that conversation, no questions asked, it's no problem. I think another thing is to think about how we talk about um, what I like 
right? Or like what my producer likes or what my writer likes or what people more broadly like. So we also think a lot about the balance of like, how do you share your experience and also extrapolate to, I would imagine that people like, right? So like trying to move it into the third person from the first person is always really helpful for that too. So we have some like pretty clear guidelines. And then also we try and hire people that are super mission aligned. And we've been really lucky in that because our mission's real and people are really psyched about the idea of empowering women and it allows us to talk to really amazing people and hire really amazing people. So from the ground level, we know that people are coming in feeling comfortable. They know what they're getting into. I also, okay. So I want to, I want to touch on the diversity of the stories um, because as you mentioned, sexuality is so vast. And um, although this is like a female oriented platform, do you, do you guys have male, do, do males listen to it or have you heard from male like yeah, straight, like we straight have, men. We have about ten percent of our current audience is men, and we definitely hear from straight That's men awesome. who say it's super helpful to kind of hear a more feminine take and um, to get a different kind of understanding of what ideal language is. Like Scott, what you said about like it sounds real, but it's you know also aspirational. I think that's like really interesting for a man to hear the story that you described. What was the story? Yeah, actually? it was this the uh, it? rhythm. No, it was the one it's with Colin. Oh yeah. Cool. Yep. So rhythm is a story about, um, kind of like this, like three way dynamic between a salsa instructor and then two salsa students. Um, but it's exciting for a man to hear that too and be like, okay, like how is consent layered in, in a way that doesn't feel super weird. And like, how can I express pleasure in a way that sounds exciting for a woman, right? Like, that's interesting. Yeah, like, it was, I really liked what he was saying. Like, I liked the way he approached her. I liked the language he used. I liked the things he said. And I can totally see if I, you know, texted over to my husband, like, yo, listen to Colin, it would be such a great eye-opening conversation about the tone that I like. Because honestly, before I listened to that, the only tone I knew, and this is not, um, I'm not speaking from experience of me and my husband. I'm speaking from my experience in my sexual life mm-hmm. career. Um, is that when you talk, no, because I don't want to like, you know, bring someone no, no, else. No, no. I, but you said my sexual career. Yeah. My career. Um, well, yeah, you're right. I've never gotten paid for sex. So, um, my sexual life, um, is that when you talk, it's supposed to be like a dirty talk. Right. And so that's the, that's the message we've been given via porn, via other men, via one night stands, via whatever it is, via movies. And so to hear the way Colin was speaking, I really liked it. Like I thought it was a really great balance and it it spoke to me quite nicely. And it's interesting because imagine all the things that we could think that we, or that we could discover that we like, that we just haven't even had like such an experience with. Absolutely. And a huge number of people who did our recent survey talk about sexual exploration being a reason that they're here. Just like trying to understand more. What do I like? What am I into? What are my boundaries? And so people are definitely here listening for that as well. But I think what you hit on is so interesting when you think not only about something like dirty talk, which can feel really intimidating if it's not something that's, you're not super verbal or it's not something you've really experienced a lot before, but also with consent. Like how many blog posts have we all read about consent, right? Like how many like, you know, celebrities or activists have talked about the right way to approach it. It still feels really hard to get right every time. There's like a lot of gray area. And so I think it's actually really interesting to think about you know, what it means to show consent between a monogamous married couple versus what it means to show consent between people who have met for the first time and how to model that, not just from the words that they choose, but when they say it, how they say it, what 
like mm-hmm. volume what intonation like it just helps you to feel like I'm empowered to use that language myself yeah it, it, it when people talk about consent in the more uh in the media, it feels like unsexy and like a burden or of something that, you know, will turn everyone off. Whereas that doesn't have to be the case. So you guys have really achieved and also not even consent. You guys also do like a lot of safe sex. So him going to grab a condom or, or she being like, I'm on the pill. Like, it's just so, yeah. So Colin asked, Colin asked, he said, what do you want to do? And she said, I want you to tell me what to do. Like you've been showing me how to dance all night. I want you to tell me exactly where to put my body and what to do. And so that was her giving him consent to dominate her in that way. I I just love Colin, you know, like I'm just into Colin. I have some other recs for you if you're into Colin types. I can give you a little list. (laughs) Favorite. Oh yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. um, Yes. I, I loved the, um, the yoga series with the yoga instructor. Yeah, you like about it. I I just thought the tension build was really intense yeah. in that yeah. one. Um especially because it's a a multiple series and multiple episodes I guess. Um but this and it also it was a fantasy first and then it actually happened in real life so it was like this cool, it felt like a movie like I was like oh my god are they actually yeah, going to fuck that. we don't know. So there is that that tension. That's a that's really interesting that you say the 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 buildup. But I I want to talk because you talk you talked about sexual exploration, and I know that there's a section of stories where someone guides you through masturbation or through pleasure. Um, talk about kind of why is that different and why is that important for you guys to come up with? Yeah. So a section of our app is what we call guided and it includes how-tos, meditations, games for couples to play, all sorts of content that's non-narrative that helps kind of further you in your sexual journey kind of wherever wherever you are. And I think it's clear to us that there is so much to do in audio, which is so intimate and so immersive um, to teach you in kind of an interesting new way. And so something like massage is really fascinating in audio. You actually have real-time instruction for what you can do to a partner in person. Um, something like breath work is really, really important for so many people who feel like getting connected to their bodies is really, really hard. Like their head and their body live separate. And so that's kind of step one before you can even think about having an enjoyable masturbation experience. So there's all the sorts of content that we can create that really amplifies or furthers or deepens someone's experience as a dipsy listener and just as a sexual being. Did you guys start off with just straight couples and then incorporate the LGBT experience or was that something off the get-go you're like we're gonna try to um, represent all different type of sexual experiences? We wanted to represent all experiences from the start and that was very very core to the brand as a philosophy from the beginning i mean i like the lesbian ones amazing yeah people are definitely not only listening to what their real life experience is for sure i mean when you talk to most women and their porn intake it's usually lesbian porn like a big majority of straight women watch lesbian porn so i can see how that would cross over Interesting one though. It's a hunch that we have. It's a hypothesis that we have that a lot of women also listen to list, sorry, watch lesbian porn because it feels safer. Because when you're watching visual porn and there is a man involved, it can feel like you're a little bit more worried for the female character. Like, is this person okay? Are they enjoying themselves? Are they in pain? Is what we've heard from from female 
uh, listeners of ours that may not be representative of every woman's experience, but it is possible. Yes. Oh, that's some psychological shit right yeah. there. I mean, and that and that's what I ta- and that's what I was mentioning. That there's this. It's really unfortunate that Dipsy didn't exist when I was a child because I yeah, think but you can't use it if you're not 18, Mads. You're supposed to be 18. Oh, sorry. That is okay. true. Oh. <laughs> you're 18. Interesting. Okay. You're fine. Well, okay, when I was 18. But what I'm saying is just it's it's I grew up with that male, you know, dominated or male focused type of content. So it's just, it's really refreshing and it, it, it just changes everything in my brain that I think about sexually when I, when I listen to a Dipsy, it's so true. And it's interesting because I don't know, I don't know if, I don't think this was Mad's experience, but I have a very open relationship with our mom as far as sexual contact and questions and what it not contact questions not contact not contact sorry um information and education I should say and when I was 15 14 no like on my first day of high school my mom walked into the room and she had never given me a sex talk before I like knew what sex was and whatever but she walked into my room and she said you know it took me a really long time to figure this out and I don't want it to take you that long, but you can pleasure yourself without a man. And I would urge you to explore that with yourself. Wow. That is beautiful. I mean, one, yeah. And even if you take away the sexual talk on that, she taught me a lesson of you can provide for yourself without a man, like beyond sex, right? That's the main message there. I didn't even know what to do. She didn't tell me how to give a blowjob. She was like, go masturbate. And so that has always stuck with me as a really empowering thing. And I think that I think that I did get lost though in the media's perceptions of what all these things look like. Whereas something like Dipsy, which I wish it w- you could, you know, use it if you were younger, um, can really relearn more of what you want and more of what's really coming from inside you versus what's been impressed on you by society or as we've been saying a million times, a male dominated view. Yeah, I was just talking to a producer literally right before I got on with you two, and we were talking about how it's really hard in this space as, you know, companies that want to exist but are affected by banking relationships, by platforms that allow us to exist, by stores that let us sell our products, you know, all the limitations that people come up with where the idea of being a business for pleasure still isn't really okay. The idea of someone being sexually well and empowered, which is you know, deeply connected to pleasure. Okay. People are more okay. If just pleasure until as an end is feels still like cherry on a Sunday, like a nice little extra, but like not the thing. But in fact, being able to own and access your pleasure and your sexuality is so huge to being a fully empowered person. And so it's so amazing that your mom saw that and gave you that because wow, I have not heard a story like that. And I talk about sex almost all day long. Yeah, she's amazing. I had my first, or- like a guy never made me orgasm until I met my husband. And I told her and my stepdad that no guy had ever made me orgasm. And they were like totally taken aback and really worried for my sanity. And then when it did happen and a guy made me orgasm for the first time, I like ran out and told my mom like the first thing That's the next day. Amazing. And she was like, muzzle tough. We should open <laughs> champagne. She was so, I mean, Maddie has a very different relationship with our mom, but that's like how I grew up. Like, you know, yeah. I had my first one night stand. I called my mom the next day. Yeah. Like while I was leaving his house, I was like, mom. Being alone in those experiences is not positive. And if your mom can be the person that makes you feel less alone, hell yeah. yeah. Power to you. I want to talk about what, like, I don't know, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but 
if you are single or in a relationship, when someone asks you and you're on a date and if someone asks you what you do, do you tell, like, how does that kind of push your relationship forward or backward or create some sort of expectation on you? And what's been your experience with that as a woman who is able to stand in her sexual exploration power as using it as your business? How does that affect your dating life and the way you relate to men? Yeah, it's a great question. I was dating for the first time in a while a couple months ago, and it, I did, it did cross my mind that this is such a huge part of my identity, but I almost didn't think about it only as like a job related to sex, but also as the leader of an organization, that both of those things are so intrinsic to who I am now that I was like, how do I do that as, a, as someone in the dating world? Mm-hmm. So I almost like saw those things as two things that were like, hey, if you don't think that's cool or interesting, that's like a pretty easy like, nah, you know? So um, if anything, it's almost like what, what, what hiring a Dipsy is like. We're like, hey, we're a sexual wellness business and you have to feel really comfortable talking about sex at, in, the, in the workplace. And that means that a percentage of people are going to pass that job application right by. But that's actually okay because we don't want those people to be applying because we want people who are comfortable doing those things. So it's kind of the same thing with the dating pool. I think it's like, cool, this is like easy for me to say, hey, this is this thing about me. If you like it, amazing. Let's keep talking. What about your family or strangers you meet? Um, do you, are you like just so used to kind of combating so that taboo? <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. It's like, no, but that's new. I honestly, I've been doing this for, you know, two years and change now. And sometimes I realize when the room gets a little quiet that I've like pushed it a little further than other people are comfortable. And I'm like, oh, right. And it like is a, is like a good little gut check. Um, yeah, I've like definitely sat on the airplane next to people and people are like, so what do you do? And I'm like, buckle up. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> um, in those moments, in those moments, I almost need an alias because when people are asking just out of curiosity, but don't really want the full truth, that's a really kind of tricky situation. But like, you know, my family knows, my family's excited about what I do. Um, everyone in my life is excited. It really hasn't been like super tough besides like the stranger combos. Um, I want to talk, I want to talk about fundraising. And um, I don't know if Dipsy, did you guys do, did you guys raise money or capital? Yes. yes okay. So I want to talk about that process, not only because you're a woman, um, two co-founder women led uh, business, but the subject matter, as we were just discussing. So how did those conversations and pitches go? Was it very, um, did you, did you seek out firms that you knew were a little more open and, uh, had backed maybe female projects in the past or how did you approach that? No, we sought out firms that we had any sort of way of getting in touch with to start right? Like first it's like, who can talk to me? Who will talk to me? And we kind of had the perspective of, even if it's a no, let's try and make it into some sort of a yes. So like, okay, totally fine. that this doesn't fit your thesis or too early or, you know, whatever reason you get, do you know someone that you think might be interested? And so we like really kind of pushed our, our way in that way. Um, and I think to the same point of like, you know, going on dates or like hiring new people, like Dipsy's are really clear yes or no for people. Um, and in some ways that's, that, that helps our lives. Yeah, it was, I, I made this joke the other day, but it's actually like, I'm the first CEO in the history of board meetings that has a strap on in a board meeting, right? Like that, that's like a real thing that has happened because they asked like, 
you know, what's the most explicit content you're making right now? And I was like, well, it depends on like, it is kind of an interesting spectrum. Like everyone defines it differently to your, you know, just so you don't expect to have in a business context definitely happen. That being said, we so much more brand cred over time that we get to push as we keep going. And that's an amazing thing. That's progress. The world around is changing. Or we use the same language we are today back and a half years ago or two years ago. No, we weren't. We were saying romance content. We were saying we weren't using the word erotica. We were being playing it much more safe because we knew we kept needing to inch in into this world in order to exist. And then once we had that cred, could do more. So it's definitely been like a very low, like long calibrated process of like, can we say it now? You know, can we make this content now? Like, can we make it more explicit now? And and we do. I have an emotional business question um, because I also often find this in my business. Every time I get thrown with a bigger price point from a client or a longer contract, there's always like a sense of anxiety of I have to perform and I have to produce and there's something else in the line for me now. I can imagine that going in and raising capital and finally raising that capital, it's a very exciting feeling, but it can also be a, oh fuck, like now it starts and now we got to go. And what was your experience and how did you manage that emotional roller coaster? It was exactly that. It was an emotional roller coaster. Do either of you do Enneagram, know about Enneagram, like Enneagram? (laughs) It's a thing with us. It's okay. Well, because we, uh, I think we, took, we think we took the wrong test because okay. we got like three different numbers each and we were very confused, but I have come to realize that I am a self-diagnosed three and I okay. just like, know I'm a three through and through and Scout, we don't know. Okay. So for those who don't know, Enneagram is like a little bit of a more millennial way of looking at personality. Like it's like a Myers-Briggs that millennials tend to love. And there's nine numbers and each number is kind of helpful for you to understand like how you might behave in a workplace or like what, what challenges you might have interpersonally, like you name it. And I'm more, so threes are like super ambitious and like care about what people think about them. So that's like both a strength and a weakness. Mm -hmm. And ones are super, super self-critical, which means that they like really push themselves, but also not fun to have like a little devil on your shoulder all the time. I'm a one. And Mm so that was my emotional roller coaster with that. It was like, am I doing this right? And you don't know as an entrepreneur, if you're doing it right, you can never know. No one's ever done it before. So you have to just figure it out and trust your gut and go with it. And that's really hard for someone who's like me, who's, you know, really afraid of not being right enough or good enough or, or you name it. And so that was a real journey for me. It, it has taken me a long time to get comfortable with the idea that to a certain degree, Faye and I are the experts in this now and we have to trust ourselves. Yeah, I feel like nobody talks about that. Like something good happens and then I've called my friends like crying like, oh my God, this just happened. Like, why are you fucking crying? You just signed a year contract. Like, this is amazing, right? And I'm like, no, but it's like, it's just no one talks about maybe the fear that comes up in moments like that when good things happen in business. And I I, I appreciate you talking about that kind of that moment. I think interesting, you know, women in power positions and all sorts of varieties could write like a book, like a tome about this experience that a lot of male managers and like men in our lives don't really recognize or understand like how traumatic it can be to have interpersonal conflict at the office because you really care about people caring for each other and like good culture and good vibes. Like that is not something that I've encountered in any of my other jobs, but like really matters at Dipsy and adds extra stress. And the same thing, like you're saying, like, you know, you hit these huge milestones and you're like, amazing and you're also like 
oh my God, <laughs> now what? Mm-hmm. What's next? It's, it's a lot. Um, and I think that that's the unlearning that we do when we feel like we're only allowed to take up a certain amount of space. And it's like, well, guess what? You can take up more because you've earned it. Amen. Um, I want to talk about the public perception of Dipsy. Kind of what it, what has what feedback have you guys been getting? Like, obviously, there. I mean, I'm your biggest fan. It seems like like I am just like over the moon about you guys, and I'm gonna I'm a Dipsy evangelist at this point. I love it. It's amazing. But, but like, have you guys gotten any criticism at all, or sure, <laughs> or is it is it mostly very positive? Really, like formative experiences that people are having? Mostly it's overwhelmingly positive. We're really, really lucky and driven and inspired every day by the user testimonials that come in. You know, we see app store reviews, people email us, we get these amazing DMs on Instagram. We share them on Slack with our team because it's so so motivating and amazing. amazing. I like, I love using your product. It gives me pleasure. We're hearing like, wow, in my 13 years of marriage, I've never been so satisfied or like, wow, I now understand how to give myself self-pleasure. I had my first orgasm or like, wow, I am a sex trauma survivor. And suddenly sex is not so scary to me anymore. Like the, the things we hear are incredible. That being said, we are makers of content. Like content is polarizing always because no one's going to like everything in the same way. That's kind of the nature of it. So kind of like the same way that at a much bigger scale, you know, there are people that are like, I love Netflix. And there are people that are like, every Netflix show sucks. It's like, yeah, like there are different perspectives always. Um, And by nature of our content being sexual content, even more so, there are going to be people who listen to three pieces of content. They're not going to like them and they're going to move on. And that's fine, even though the next 70 might be really interesting to them. But that, that is true for us too. And something that we have to you know, really, that's a really perfect example of where Faye and I work together, product and content. Like we need to make sure that the right stories are being surfaced to the right people or it doesn't work. Uh, I have a data question. Like you listen to every story, there's like a pop-up that says like, did this like satisfy, or I don't know, it's worded in a way where it's like, did you come from this? I think. (laughs) Um, But do you find that your users will only listen to one and then they're and they're done or are they listening to multiple in order to get to that finished result yeah let me try and answer that question as analog as analytically as possible let me put my my gray sweatshirt on like really like answer from a fae perspective so <laughs> the 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 most common listening cadence is um two a session that's like mm-hmm. most common whether people are listening to the second one in order to get to orgasm is more of an unknown, right? Like that's more of a, an anecdotal, we could ask people in user interviews and, and see, see um, what that second story versus that first story does. Sometimes that might be series listening. You're like, you want the next one because you love the characters, right? Sometimes that might be because you haven't achieved orgasm yet. Sometimes that might be because you are in a car ride and you have an extra 15 minutes, right? So there's like different reasons why people might listen to their second. And not everyone is listening to masturbate. That's like overwhelmingly, self-pleasure is overwhelmingly the reason people listen, but it's not the only use case. This is like amazing. You're incredible. (laughs) It's like my favorite. I don't want this to end. Okay. I do have one more question. So there was a new feature um, that launched where there are stories of people, you with another, with a person. Like yeah listening to an actor, I guess. They're doing- Like the get intimate with, like get intimate with Elliot. Yes. Yeah. So- 
I love those. Like that is, I was really scared to listen to that because I was, I just had no idea what to expect. Um, I think, I mean, I listened to only the women one because I was like a little scared that if I listened to the men one, it would feel like I was cheating on my boyfriend. I don't know if you've gotten that feedback. Interesting, but, no. But, That's my um, first thought too. Yeah, so I I listened to the women one and it, wow, just like, just such a different experience than I've ever encountered. Cause I just don't really, I don't think I've ever just listened to someone doing something imaginary to me. How did you guys come up with that concept? Well, we knew that people were really excited about certain characters that existed on Dipsy. Like we'd constantly hear, I love Mark from Hot Vinyasa, can Mark come back? And so we were like, it's kind of cool to think about you listening to the Hot Vinyasa series, right? And you you know that Laura is the character, but you also, if you want to, kind of like get to be her a little bit, right? You get to like imagine that that is the experience that like you could be having, you get to embody that character. And then this Get Intimate With series is kind of the extension of that. Like, how can we actually make you the character? And so the, the person's talking directly to you. And whether you want to imagine that you're Laura again, because you love their story so much, like totally up to you. But if you want to just be you, that's also okay. And that's kind of a new dynamic in that, in that type of story that we're really excited about. It's just like so fucking real. At the end, she was like, let me go get you a cup of tea. I was like, yeah, give me my yes. <laughs> Aftercare, yes. <laughs> I love it. Oh my God. Well, this was such an illuminating and empowering conversation. I'm I'm so excited. I mean, we we talk a lot about sex, but I don't think we've really deep dived into um our experiences and and uh this topic in particular. So I think a lot of our listeners are going to really benefit from this type of product. So thank you. Thank you for just creating this. It is yeah. doing so much good in our, in our world. That is super sweet. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun and has really inspired me to up my quarantine dressing game. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably good. I needed that kick, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just throw on some glasses and you're done. That's what I do. Amazing. Anyways, tell everybody where they can find Dipsy and all that good stuff. Yeah, so you can go to dipsystories.com. Dipsy spelled D-I-P-S-E-A, like a dip in the sea. And you can download to listen on your Android, on your iOS phone, so your, your uh, iPhone, or on your web app, so like straight on your desktop. Awesome. And you can find us at OKSIS Podcast. See you later, sisters.